This is Jalen, and you're listening to the Firm Foundation Church Podcast, where you'll get weekly episodes featuring your favorite sermons straight from our in-person Sunday morning services. Check it out. Uh, Today, we are beginning a brand new series. Uh, I love beginning new series, and so I hope you're excited about the series, but we're going to begin a series uh, that we're calling The Armor of God. All right, we're not being super creative here with this name because that's literally what it's called in Scripture, right? Uh, Is Armor of God, and so that's what we're going to be studying over the next six weeks. Uh, And so I am just kind of wondering, as we're beginning this series, and I want to set up this message, I'm wondering uh, who in here has ever showed up to some kind of event or occasion and not been dressed appropriately? Has anybody in here done that before? You know, maybe you showed up to an event way overdressed. Or maybe even underdressed. Maybe you showed up uh, to an event and your friend said it's going to be a costume party uh, and they f- neglected to tell you that it got canceled and so you're the only one that shows up in your Superman outfit or your costume, right? I don't know if that's anyone that's in here, but I know there's been a few times where I've showed up and haven't been dressed appropriately for the occasion. Uh, in fact, in high school, uh, I was a junior at a, at a high school named Central High School in central Texas and uh, I was my first year at this high school and uh, uh, you're probably familiar with spirit days or spirit weeks or or months now. They've extended it and made it way longer than it used to be but it's multiple days and uh, they want to ramp up school spirit and get you excited for the big homecoming game that's coming up and so that's what was happening and so everybody showed up to school that day dressed in green except what at least felt like me. Uh, I was wearing red, and and come to find out that was going to be the color of our opposing team that we were going to be facing that night. And so all day in school, it felt like everyone else was in green and white, and here I was sticking out like a sore thumb uh, with a red t-shirt on. Uh, The only saving grace is that when we showed up to the pep rally, I got to put on my basketball uniform so I could blend in and and be a part of the festivities. But how many of you have ever showed up and not been appropriately dressed for for the occasion? You know, that that happens uh, at times. You know, when we're wearing the wrong thing, it it turns into an awkward and uh, intimidating and humiliating situation. But when we're wearing the right thing, it's freeing. It's liberating uh, to be who we're supposed to be circumstance in that situation or that event. And so I'm I'm looking at us as the church, and here's my fear, is that we have a lot of believers that are going around about their everyday running around lives, and they're not dressed appropriately for the occasion. Uh, you know, maybe you're, you're, you're showing up, but you did not pray before you began your day and you haven't spent time with the Lord. And, and when you and I don't start our day spiritually correctly, then we are not appropriately dressed for the things that are going to come our way. We won't be quite as effective as we could be in the world around us. But when we're rightly dressed in our spiritual armor, we're equipped for every occasion. Listen to me, we are free from any hindrances that might be thrown our way. And we are empowered on high for every encounter. Now, I know when I say armor of God, some of you 
unintentionally are going to tune me out. Because you're thinking back to those days when you were in kids' church, uh, when you were in Sunday school and you heard about the armor of God, and it just doesn't quite ring the same way as it used to. And, and so maybe you look at that now and you're, you're thinking, you know, uh, uh, the armor of God, what, what is the significance of it? Because here's what you see when you hear armor of God. Right? When you think armor of God, you think this is what you're supposed to wear and how you're supposed to be dressed. And this is actually my daughter's. And so for all the dads in the house, teach your daughters to be princesses, but teach them to be warrior princesses too. Amen? We need warrior princesses in the kingdom of God, all right? This is my daughter's sword and shield. And for me, it's not appropriately uh, my size. It's too small. It's, it's clinky. It's not going to protect me for any battle or any engagement that I might find myself in. And so you're looking at the armor of God or hearing armor of God today, and you're thinking, what usefulness is this to me in my life? And uh, you're wondering, you know, uh, why do I need to listen over the next six weeks and apply these things to my life? But what if... Just what if the enemy wants you to visualize a plastic shield and plastic sword for your spiritual life? But, but what if God wants to say, you know what? There's something here, church, that I need you to grab a hold of. Because this right here is what you need to be dressed for your battle, for your spiritual battles that you're going to come into contact with. You need a full suit of honor so that you can show up and be ready to advance my kingdom forward. Because here's the thing, we're in a spiritual battle. And I'm afraid that we've forgotten about it as the church. And so instead of being dressed like this, we have our plastic shield and sword of faith. And so I want to stir your hearts today because I believe the Lord is wanting to teach us some things through this. And I just want to give a quick shout out to Mr. Austin Gippert. Uh, so when you guys see Austin next time, you can thank him for letting us use his, his medieval armor uh, over the next several weeks for this series. So if you're in Ephesians 6, turn there with me. We're going to read this passage of scripture. This is going to be the, the scripture we return to uh, for the next six weeks. Um, that's going to give us some context for what the Lord is wanting to speak to us through the Armor of God series. Beginning in verse 10, a final word, be strong of the Lord and in his mighty power, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of armor. Anytime you see therefore in the scripture, you've got to ask, what is it there for? All right, some of you got it. You've heard that phrasing before. And so when it says, therefore, it's saying, pay attention to what was just spoken about, because the next thing that I'm about to say is connected to what was just written in scripture. So because we are in a spiritual war, it says, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, church, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be able to be fully prepared 
In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God and pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. When you and I go out about our everyday running around lives, we need to be dressed in the armor of God and ready for every battle that comes our way. We are in a war. It's a spiritual war that we're having to wage in the spirit. And the enemy's strategy in this war is to drive us towards apathy, towards bitterness, towards being self-centered and, and, and to be distracted about things that don't really matter. This war is meant to lead us to embrace a modern day cultural norms. This war is centered on getting us to start living in a way that's comfortable. But we're called to live surrendered to his word and to pay attention to the promptings in the leading of the Holy Spirit and how he's calling you and I to live. There's a quote that I've said in the past that I want to use again because it's so powerful and it's an incredible man named A.W. Towser. He made this statement. Many Christians view this world as a playground rather than a battleground. You need to write that down. Many Christians view this world as a playground rather than a battleground. Knights and soldiers have to prepare for war. They have to be ready for everything that's going to come their way. And so here's some of the things that soldiers and, and knights would have to do. They would train Day and night, they exercise. They push their bodies to the limits. You, you need to know how to use your weapon. You need to understand battleground tactics. And you need to build up stamina so that your body is ready for the worst case scenario. You know, it takes a whole lot of intentionality on the soldier's part to, to be prepared for the, whatever's going to come their way during the war. We need to equip ourselves before we go out to battle. You can't just whimsically go through it. You can't just whimsically decide one day to put on armor all by yourself because here's what I learned when putting this armor up here on the stage this week is that it takes time to put on the armor. It also requires more than one person doing it. It's not something that can just happen quickly. But here's the other thing. In battle, in war, you can't do it on your own. I know we watch Avengers and other superhero movies, and it's all about the one person overcoming the odds. But in reality, that's not how it plays out. We need each other. We've got to help each other get suited up and dressed for the battles that are in front of us. We've got to be on each other's left and, and right and in front and back so that we're guarding and caring for one another in the difficulties and circumstances of life. And so church, do you recognize that you're in a spiritual war? 
You know, I want to show you a brief battle clip to kind of set up this scenario to help you kind of visualize what we're talking about, what happens in, in the spirit realm. And so you and I, we better be ready. We better be prepared. And so this is actually a battle scene in a movie called The Hobbit. I don't know if you're familiar with that, this movie or not. But here's what's happening right before this clip, right before we watch this part of the clip. There's two armies that are fighting against each other. It's the elf and dwarf armies. And they're fighting um, because they aren't quite seeing eye to eye. They're actually on each other's side, but greed and pride has gotten in the way. And so they're fighting one another. But then something happens. All of a sudden, their common enemy emerges from beneath. It's Theron's army, and they show up to fight them. And so immediately, the elves and dwarves stop fighting one another, and they start engaging in fighting their enemy. And I want you to pay attention how they work together to overcome it. Check this out. Church, it is time for us to put on the full armor of God so that we can stand against all of the strategies of our enemy. And don't you dare forget for one moment that you're in a spiritual battle. In war. And so each week, here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at each piece of armor that Paul talks about here in this passage of Ephesians 6. And we're going to look at each piece of armor and we're going to talk about it um, for the next six weeks. And I want you to understand as Paul's talking about this armor, he's not necessarily uh, referring to you've got to put on physical armor every day when you walk out. If you do that, people are going to look at you funny. Right, But what he's trying to do is address some things that are some fundamental things that you and I need to have in our lives so that we're dressed and ready to fight a spiritual war. And so uh, my prayer is that as we put on uh, this armor and we pick up these weapons, that uh, my prayer for us is that we'll suit up and be equipped to remain steadfast throughout this year. And so the piece of armor that we're going to talk about today is the breastplate 
of righteousness. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your word. We ask that you would come and speak to us today. We're so thankful for all it is that you're doing and we surrender our lives to you, God. Speak to us through your word. We need to hear from you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. So Paul wants us as believers to to daily be prepared for the spiritual battles that we're going to face. You know, when you and I wake up, we get ready for the day. You know, we, we throw on our clothes, we fix our hair, uh, we put on makeup, you know, we grab our tools. For those of you that, that work in construction, uh, for those of us that work in the office, we might grab our computer and our backpack. But either way, whatever you do uh, in your everyday running around life, you grab what you need and you take it with you so that you'll be ready for whatever is thrown your way for that day, right? Uh, The same thing needs to happen. Are we spiritually getting dressed so that we're ready for whatever is going to come our way? And so we're going to look at the breastplate of righteousness because Paul tells us to equip ourselves with righteousness. So what is righteousness? Uh, Pastor Tony Evans defines it this way. Righteousness is the standard that God requires for people to become acceptable to him. Uh, Here's another way to understand righteousness. Anytime you see the word righteousness in scripture or it's talked about, you can replace it with right standing or in right relationship. That's another way of describing what righteousness is. If we, uh, if we want to have right standing in any kind of relationship, there are some kind of standards that's required for all of us in those relationships. Uh, let me give you an example. In your workplace, there is a standard that you have to meet up to so that you don't get fired, right? You better show up on time. Uh, You better not leave early. Uh, You know, you need to take care of all of your job responsibilities. You need to get along with your coworkers. You need to listen to and have some level of respect for your supervisors because if you don't meet up to that standard, then you might lose your job. In any kind of relationship that we have, there's always some kind of of minimum standard. And so the same is true in uh, in relationship with the Lord. If we want to have right standing and right relationship with God, then he asks us to fulfill certain standards. And so what are the right things that he's asking us to do? And so I've got three points that I want to give you this morning that's going to help communicate this. And so if you and I want to put on the breastplate of righteousness, if we want to have right standing, with God, then here's something that we all must do. We must adhere to God's word. In order to have the breastplate of righteousness, we have to adhere to God's word. To have right standing with God, we've got to not only know his word, but we have to obey his instructions and his teachings. That's what leads us to righteousness. You know, what is the opposite of righteousness? I would maybe call it wrongness. There's a right way to do things and there's a wrong way to do things. And here's what I want you to understand. What leads to wrongness is us thinking and living our lives in such a way that is opposite to God's word. 
There's a right way to live, and Scripture teaches us how to do that. But Scripture also clearly points to there's things in our lives that are, are, we can do incorrectly that's the wrong way to live. And so how you and I respond to, to God's instructions is what leads us to having right standing or is what can lead to separation from God. Let me give you an example. In basketball, the standard and the rule is that the goal, the basket, must be 10 feet high. Okay? For me, as an almost six-foot guy, I hate even admitting this to you today because on my driver's license, it says six-foot zero, even though I'm more like 5'10", 5'11". All right, I'm bending the truth a little bit, all right? But for a six-foot guy, getting up to slam dunk on a 10-foot basket is really difficult, I almost did it a couple of times in high school, but that was a long time ago before I put on a little bit of weight, all right? So I don't think I could get anywhere near dunking the basketball anymore unless you lower the standard. Give me a trampoline and I'll throw that ball down. Watch me. You put that thing at eight foot and watch what kind of tricks I can do on an eight foot goal. And for me, it feels good to dunk at eight foot. It may make me feel better about myself, but listen, any adult that's playing any pickup game in the park, if they see me in my driveway dunking on an eight foot, they're like, what a loser. (laughs) Why does he think he's cool? Like, that's not cool. That's wimpy, right? And so I have to lower the standard in order to to meet up to my expectations of looking like Michael Jordan, right? I've got to lower the standard. It makes me feel better, but... I have to reduce the standard and instead of doing it, instead of playing the game the way it's supposed to be played. And here's the thing. We do the exact same thing in following Jesus. We look at basic disciplines of our faith that God tells us in his word and we minimize them. We think, ah, man, come on, that standard's up there a little too high. That's for pastors, right? That's for community leaders. Like that standard's meant for them. But for me, I'll just set the bar a little bit lower to make myself feel better. We, we minimize that goal and we say, you know, going to church, being involved in connect groups, doing local outreach, uh, getting plugged in and, and showing up to pray uh, on, on Wednesday nights with the church, you know, that's not really for me. I'm too busy. I've got other things going around. That's a standard for the leaders of the church. But for me, that's not the standard. But we, we say we've got other things going on, and if we admit it to ourselves, we would say, you know, there's a lot of other things that I'd rather be doing than going to church, than going and getting involved, than building relationships, than praying and interceding that God's will would be done here on this earth. And so we lower the standard and we say, this is appropriate for me. And we've got to be so careful as followers of Jesus Christ with some of these basically basic disciplines of the faith because here's kind of like the minimum bar. It's showing up, right? It's getting involved. It's being connected. That's kind of the minimum requirements in, in faith. But here's the thing. If we lower the standard, we're missing out on all that God has in store for us. Uh, For many of us, we're lowering the standard in other things that we do. We're lowering the standard whenever it comes to reading and memorizing Scripture. We don't see it and hold it as important in our lives. And when our kids look at us, they also see that it's not important in our lives because they never see us doing it. 
Uh, but here's the thing. We might think we don't have time to read Scripture because we're so busy. We don't think it's important to, to, to memorize it. And so we lower that standard from our lives. And we think, you know, maybe if I just show up on Sunday mornings and, and listen to Pastor Blake preach, that will be enough for my week. But I'm telling you, today, that's lowering the standard, church. And I know what you're probably thinking right now. It's like, ooh, Pastor Blake is preaching legalism. He's preaching religion. That's what some people will think when they hear a teaching like this because they're like, don't you try to tell me what to do and not, what not to do. Like, I'm my own man. I'm my own lady. I'll, I'll do whatever I want to do. Don't try to tell me what to do. And so a lot of people will look at this and will say that's legalism. And if we're honest, if, if you're just trying to check a box, if you're just going through this progression and, and saying these are all the standards and things Scripture tells me to do, and if you're doing it just to check that off your list, then it has become legalism. If you look at it as just things to do and things not to do, right ways to live and wrong ways to live, if that's your approach to Christianity and, and God's Word, it is legalism. But in right standing, in relationship with your heavenly Father. You will see God's word and its teachings and instructions as a gift to you. You won't see it as this list of rules and things that you have to do in order uh, to be near the Father, but you'll see it and say, wow, this is a secret that's in his scripture that's unlocking his kingdom so that I know how to live my life. You see, God doesn't put all these rules and regulations on us because he wants to control and manipulate us, but he's saying, listen, I know best. I want to call you up to a higher standard because my way is better. If you keep pursuing things the way you want to pursue them, it will lead to spiritual death. But if you will follow me and love my instruction and love my teaching and desire closeness and intimacy with me, then it will bring you spiritual life. Yesterday at men's breakfast, we talked about faith and we talked about how our corresponding acts of obedience is what leads to us building our faith on a daily basis. If we will use those corresponding acts of obedience in God's word, it will lead us to righteousness. And listen to me this morning, I need you to hear this because we hear this and we can also say, well, in order to be righteous, we've got to do all of these things that we can do in our own power, and our own strength. And I want to make it very clear this morning. You cannot obtain righteousness on your own. It's only in co cooperation with the Spirit of God that He leads us to living our lives in a way so that we can have closeness with the Father. And so the way that we have right standing with a holy God is by applying His Word in our everyday running around lives because that matters. It's that we walk out spiritual disciplines that we see all throughout His Word but because it matters to the heart of God. It's not about legalism, but it's about grace that you can find through Jesus Christ. It's not something you can do on your own, but as you are following God, he's going to begin to shift your thinking. He's going to change the desires of your heart, and he's going to call you to a holy way of living your life. And he's going to teach you what he knows is best 
for your life. And so listen, in order for us to put on the breastplate of righteousness, it requires you and I adhering to God's word. As we adhere to God's word, as we begin to have close and right standing relationship with the Father, here's the next thing that's going to happen as you begin to put on that breastplate of righteousness. You're going to all of a sudden recognize that you can walk in spiritual authority. The breastplate of righteousness, putting on the full armor of God will lead to you having spiritual authority. You know, why is Paul highlighting righteousness as something that needs to be worn everywhere we go? Because we're in a battle. We're in a spiritual war and we want to be on the winning side. We want to be on the side that is advancing God's kingdom forward. And so righteousness leads to us having spiritual authority over our enemy. The main passage that we read in Ephesians chapter 6 speaks directly to this. And that's why it emphasizes the importance of putting on the full armor of God. Because here's the deal. In righteous living, it leads to spiritual authority. But in wrong living, I need you to understand what happens when you're living your life in a wrong way. Our enemy, the devil, functions in wrongness. Wrong isn't just wrong for the sake of calling it wrong. But hear me, wrong because becomes an open invitation for the enemy, the devil, to move and operate in our lives. By not adhering to God's word or by lowering his standard for our lives, it actually allows the enemy to prowl around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may Devour. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. If we're adhering, uh, um, if we have an abundance, excuse me, if we have an abundance of trash inside of our homes, that's not good. Would anybody agree? If your home was physical home, it's full of trash, would that be a good thing? No, it would not be a good thing. Not only does it make it trashy, but the trash is an open invitation for roaches, rats. Ants and so many other pests to come in and and live and set up residence among the trash. And so trash becomes that open invitation. And when pests get a sense that there's some things that are unaddressed in in your home, not only do they come uh, looking for the trash, but they begin to tell other pests what's going on, things that aren't being addressed and well-maintained and cared uh, in the home. And that begins to relay to other pests, and they come in to invade the home and to set up residence among the trash. I believe this is true for us in a spiritual sense. If we let trash in our spiritual homes, if we allow it to build up by not obeying God's word and by lowering his standards from our lives, then the trash is going to slowly but surely pile up. And as that trash piles up, the enemy is going to catch scent of it. And he's going to show up and he's going to tell, uh, he's going to bring in other demonic influences to invade and take up residence in your home. You see, unrighteousness creates space for demonic influence in our lives. But righteousness, listen to me, but right living gives us spiritual authority over our enemy. And it creates a home, not where trash is welcomed, but where the presence of God is welcomed in our everyday running around lives. 
The pursuit of right living keeps uh, the inside of our spiritual homes clean. So the presence of God can be uh, among us. And it's he, he is the one that gives us spiritual authority over our enemy. Again, it's not what we can do on our own by choosing to do some things right and checking off some boxes, but it's by inviting the presence of God into our homes and into our lives. It's through him that we have the power to win and have the upper hand over our enemy. He gives us authority over all the strategies of the enemy. So listen to me. The breastplate of righteousness is a defensive piece. It's meant to protect your chest. What's in your chest that's a vital organ? It's your heart. And anytime you see in scripture where it talks about your heart, it's making a, a physical, uh, uh, it's, it's saying that your physical heart is a representation of your spiritual heart. And here's what we know scripture teaches us. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 about our heart. To trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all that you do, and he will show you which path to take. Righteousness is the breastplate that guards your heart. It's right living. It's the pursuit of holiness that protects your heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. You see, by pursuing right living, we are guarding our hearts, which will determine the effectiveness that you and I will have in spiritual battles. Righteousness gives us authority over our enemy. And here's the next step, the next thing that begins to happen as we begin to put on our breastplate of righteousness. It, it calls us to adhere and to obey and to follow God's word as we're following his, his word and we're allowing him to, to take up residence in our hearts, in our, in our spiritual homes. He begins to come in and he gives us authority over our enemy. And the next thing that begins to happen in the life of believers is that we crave accountability. You're not convinced. At least you're hoping that I'm wrong. Because here's the deal. Most of us don't like accountability. We avoid it at all costs. Accountability, that's like a bad word. Because accountability means I have to admit that my life and my home is messy. That maybe it's out of order. It requires us being vulnerable and opening ourselves up to allow others to see us for who we really are. But it doesn't stop there. But then it, it requires, as we're opening ourselves up and being vulnerable, we're giving the opportunity for those individuals in our lives to start correcting our behaviors, to start speaking into our actions and, and ways of thinking. And so I'm sure you're wondering, Blake, I don't crave accountability. But my answer to you is that we should. You know, I'm personally willing to admit that I don't always do the best in this area of accountability. 
I think it's an area that we all should be growing in as followers of Jesus Christ, as leaders in his churches, to continually submit our lives to others so that we can be held accountable and be held to a higher standard of how God is calling us to live. We talked about this again yesterday in our men's breakfast, but one of two things is happening in your life. You're either growing and advancing in God's kingdom or you're slowly dying and taking steps backwards. It's not both and, it's one or the other. And so that's why we need accountability because it pushes us towards a higher standard. And I wish this is something I always did well, but here's the deal. Sometimes I don't like people seeing my imperfections of how I'm a husband to my wife. I don't always love confessing how I did not care for my kids the right way that I should have this past week. You know, it's hard to, to confess that I haven't been the friend that I should be, the son that I should be, that the pastor, that I'm not quite meeting up to that uh, goal that I've had made for myself. I'm not quite getting to that standard like I hope to. And it's hard to admit that. But here's something that I try to do so well. Uh, I've invited some people in my life to help me be accountable. I have made a decision to submit my life to my wife. And anything that she sees in my life that's out of order, I've given her permission to speak to it. I've done the same things with the elders here at the church that, hey, if something is out of whack, if something isn't going like it should, if my theology or teaching is going the wrong way, correct me. I do the same with close friends and mentors and spiritual leaders in my life that that know me and know my struggles. I invite them to speak into my life because I want to maintain this posture of, of being accountable, of recognizing that I'm imperfect and I know it. And so I need you and you need me and we need to speak into each other's life because here's the deal. I don't want to miss it for months and years at a time. I don't want to be going backwards whenever I'm called to go forward. Uh, And so I invite those individuals to speak into my life. Who speaks into your life? Do you crave accountability? Do you allow others to speak into your life? Or do you just kind of put on the church garments and show up as having it all together and being dressed well and have this form of godliness when everything that's going on in the background is out of order, isn't going well. Listen, church, we have got to submit ourselves to one another. And when you commit yourself to a body of believers, you have to hold on to your post. You have to hold on to your assignment. Why? Because we need each other. We're in a spiritual battle and we're going to lose on our own. I need you. You need me. And so we've got to maintain our role and being alongside of each other, protecting each other's back and going before each other to help soften the blow of the enemy. We've got to come around each other and hold our posts because when you leave your post, you're leaving your church brothers and sisters exposed. We need each other. That's why we invite you to show up. Sunday mornings are the bare minimum, y'all. We've got to come alongside of each other and connect groups and recognize that I need you and you need me. I've got to crave accountability in my life. I've got to crave discipleship that I can't stay where I'm at, but I need more. We've got to show up and we've got to pray and intercede because if we don't, our brothers and sisters are going to suffer. 
We're called to intercede and go before and ask that God's goodness would meet them where they're at. We are called to take up our posts. And so church, we've got to crave that accountability. And in closing this morning, I want to, I want to leave an example with you for just a moment. Uh, one of the TV shows that my wife have, have enjoyed is a TV show that's named Castle. Any of you guys ever watched the TV show Castle? Uh, we love a lot of crime TV shows and stuff like that. So uh, those are the kind of things that we enjoy. But the main actor, his name is Castle. Uh, he's a writer. He, he writes crime novels. And so one of the things that happens is he has influence. And so he asked the mayor of the city to help him uh, go to get in the police department so that he can follow some detectives around and kind of get the inside scoop on what happens that will help kind of inspire his his writings and what he's uh, what he's. Um, trying to write in his novels. And so anytime they show up to a scene and he's following around the detective, the first thing that happens is they give him a bulletproof vest. They give him that body armor. They give him the breastplate of righteousness because they want it to protect his vital organs. So whatever goes down, whatever about to happen, they want to make sure that his heart is protected. And so anytime they are pursuing a bad guy or they're going into a building, he has to stay behind the detective. He's never allowed to be the first one to make entry. And so he positions himself behind the detective and he follows her around. And she is meant to be a layer of protection for him because he's not authorized to carry a gun. He's not yet ready to take on the full armor and to be a part of not only defending but attacking. And so it's a little bit different for him. He doesn't have the gun. So he follows her. But here's the thing. She's a layer of protection for him, but he is also a layer of protection for her. Because whenever he sees something down a hallway or an alley that she's not aware of, he can call it out so that he can bring her attention to it so that she's not blindsided. Or if the enemy or the bad guy gets the, the upper hand on her, the jump on her, and they begin to wrestle, he is there to come and to have her back, to help take down the assailant. And, and so as I, as I was thinking about this, and Christine and I were having this conversation about this message, I believe that this is what it looks like for us, is that we are meant to play that kind of role in each other's life. I'm supposed to go before you and be a layer of protection. I'm supposed to go behind you and you are supposed to be a layer of protection for me. I'm meant to point out things that are coming your way that you can't see. And you're meant to call out and point out things in my life that I can't yet see. We're meant to have each other's back. We have got to crave godly community and accountability. And so it's a season where I need you to be at my rear. I need you to have my back and I need to have your back. We've got to be that for each other. So let's help each other with our blind spots. Let's not be embarrassed of them, but let's say, you know what? I know I'm missing it and I need discipleship in my life. Let's lock arms. Let's go back to back, shoulder to shoulder, and let's lean into all that God has in store for us in this season. We've got to hold each other, though, church, to a higher standard. Because that higher standard is going to give us the upper hand in this battle. The breastplate of righteousness requires obeying and following God's word, which leads to us having spiritual authority over our enemy, which leads to us craving accountability. And so church, my call to you today
is to suit up for the battle that is at hand and start pursuing righteousness. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? And as you're standing to your feet, I want to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes. And listen, here's my desire for you today. It's to challenge you with God's word. It's to challenge you. It's to maybe push you a little bit this morning and say, church, we're not fully where we need to be. But there's some things that we need to be calling each other to. We need to be challenged today. But here's my desire also is to encourage you that I've got your back. It's for us to be an encouragement to one another to say, I'm behind you. I'm with you. You're not alone. Something we did at men's breakfast yesterday morning is we all put our names in a hat. And before we left there, we drew one of them out of the hat. And we said, hey, we're going to be standing and praying for each other over the next month until our next men's meeting. And so we've committed to covering each other. We've committed to being in the fight together. And church, that's what I believe God is really calling us to in this season. Yes, we need to move towards righteousness. Yes, we need to move towards holy living. Yes, there's a higher standard that you and I need to go after, but it's not so that we can just say we've done it. It's because there is a war. And God is saying, church, I need you to be holy as I am holy. And as you pursue my heart, as you go after me, I'm gonna equip you with power from on high. I'm gonna equip you to overcome your enemy. It's through the name of Jesus and the blood that was shed for you on the cross that you no longer have to fear being whooped in this battle, in this fight. But because of Jesus, you can win. You have authority from on high. And so we also have to make a commitment that we're gonna be accountable one to another. We are gonna pursue discipleship. We're gonna ask others to speak into our life and we're gonna have boldness to speak into each other's life. And so I want to invite you just to bow your head and close your eyes. And I want you to ask the question that we ask every single week. And it's, Holy Spirit, what is it that you're saying to me? And as you're asking that question today, I want you just to invite the Holy Spirit to come and to speak to you on a personal level. Ask Him to begin to stir your heart, to challenge you, to encourage you with where you're at today. And listen to me, if you are feeling discouraged... If you're feeling beat up this morning, can I just tell you that's the enemy? He's wanting to bruise and batter you. But here's the thing about God's word is it leads us to freedom. It leads us to abundant life. And so ask Holy Spirit to come and to speak to you, to reveal truth to you, to reveal the lies of the enemy and his strategies over your life so that he can equip you to be an overcomer. Invite Holy Spirit to come speak to you right now. Say, Holy Spirit, what is it that you're saying to me? Thanks for tuning in. If what you heard today was inspirational or transformative, tell us about it. We love your feedback. For more information on how you can get connected, check us out at firmfoundation.church.